they had not gone 20 yards when they stopped short. An uproar of voices was coming from the farmhouse. They rushed back and looked through the window again. Yes, a violent quarrel was in progress. There were shoutings, bangs on the table, sharp, suspicious glances, furious denials. The source of the trouble appeared to be that Napoleon and Mr. Pilkington had each played an ace of spades simultaneously. Twelve voices were shouting in anger, and they were all alike. No question now what had happened to the faces of the pigs. The creatures outside looked from pig to man, and from man to pig, and from pig to man again. But already it was impossible to say which was which. George Orwell, Animal Farm. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Court is in Session. I am Court Culver, and I'm happy to have, for the second week in a row, an interview with my good friend Klaus Kazanjian, who is 100% not Lewis Gear, 100% a different person. So why don't you put that conspiracy to bed right now? Uh, Klaus is a good friend of mine and a political thinker, and we are very fortunate to have him on the show. Uh, thank you for coming on, Klaus. Yeah, it's a it's a great pleasure to be here, Court. Um, I'm super excited to be here uh, for the first time on this podcast. So uh, let's let's jump right into it. Um, are are you registered with a political party, or what do you think of the party system in general? Yeah, so I I I am uh, unfortunately I am registered with a political party. Uh, unfortunately, that political party is the Libertarian Party. Um, uh i uh well actually am i still i can't even remember uh i either am or i'm registered with the gop um uh i think i'm registered with the gop because florida is a closed primary state so in that sort of environment it's better just to be part of one of the two parties and just pick the candidate that you like the most yeah i uh moved to the great state of virginia and what's great about that is I don't have to register with a political party in order to vote in the primary. Uh, in fact, you you really can't officially register with a, with a party here. Um, now you say, unfortunately, the Libertarian Party. Uh, what what is wrong with the Libertarian Party in particular? Uh, if they they tend to espouse your your beliefs the the most. Yeah, well, it's usually um, it's usually a mixture of a couple different reasons. Uh, one is uh, a lot of cringe, uh, a, lot, a lot of high tier autistic cringe that they constantly put out. Uh, essentially, they act like controlled opposition sometimes uh, for the left, and then also a lot of degeneracy um, in their messaging and in the people that represent the party um so basically by those i mean like uh it, the the libertarian party is to me is going to best serve its role when it either takes a neutral or right of center cultural platform um because those are the two spheres where people are going to get with the rest of libertarianism. Uh, if you're left on cultural issues, you're most likely not going to be right wing on 
economic issues or political issues, which Libertarian Party is. You know, they try to act like this, like, holier than thou. We're above, like, the, the we're above, like, the left-right spectrum. And, uh, and I think there's an argument to be made that, like, Libertarianism, like, the philosophy might not be might not fit cleanly on the on the left or right paradigm but certainly once you bring it into the political foray it, it has to fall on the spectrum somewhere and unfortunately right now the libertarian party exists on the left of center when it should exist on the right of center so the right wing um yeah now what would that look like being right wing on social issues do you, like do you think it should be like this uh, like moral majority thing that the concern, that the Republican Party is really espoused to, or what what would that look like? Yeah, I don't think it would have to go religious. Uh, I don't think it would have to go like hardcore, you know, like like anti-gay or whatever. But it should definitely be. It should definitely not, like not. It shouldn't like the big thing right now is abortion, and abortion is not settled in libertarianism. Uh, it, it's, it's still a t- topic that's debated. And so, so it's really a big contentious issue about whether or not abortion should be in the party platform and stuff like that. And, and then where the party should stand on the other cultural issues like gay marriage or, um, trans rights and all that. And, uh, and, it, it they take this like left of center to left wing view on these topics where they celebrate them, um, and that just kind of alienates other people when they wouldn't have to. Like they don't have to celebrate these things when these things aren't settled within the community themselves. They should just say they should just take a more cautious view. Like obviously, libertarians largely do not have a problem with gay people. I don't have a problem with gay people. I consider myself a libertarian, but it's also. I'm not. I'm also not the type of person that goes out and would want that like celebrated as part of my party's identity because it largely doesn't matter uh, to a political party if if someone should be gay or not. So, do you think um, the Libertarian Party ever has a chance of being a um, like up there with the Democratic or Republican Party, like they're a powerhouse of of electing candidates, or do you think it's more? Uh, I, I think I sent you a while back that uh, really good speech by by John McAfee, who of course is a meme in and of in and of, of himself. Um, may he rest in peace. He didn't kill himself. Um, he did not. But uh, you know the the essence of his speech was: Look, I'm running for president, but I'm not going to put on any airs that I'm going to be occupying the White House in the next year. My my job is to be a leader and to try to change people's minds and and libertarians now like to sit around the dinner table and argue about the non-aggression principle. But really, we need to be out there in the streets and and focusing on local elections and trying to change people's minds rather than trying to be the Republican or the Democratic Party. Do you see the Libertarian Party as something like that, or do you think that it has a chance of being a major uh, political player? Yeah, I that 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 is that is the identity crisis that is striking the Libertarian Party right now. Um, based on, I, I hate how much I, I'm involved in the in the intra-party politics, but um, but that's a big issue right now. Is is they're talking about where should they put their resources? And I definitely do side with 
the portion of the party that thinks like McAfee does, where it's better for the Libertarian Party to serve a purpose of putting messaging out there in a stridently and principled libertarian framework, um, unabashedly libertarian, just like Ron Paul's campaigns. Um, and while also focusing on win winnable elections um, on the on the local side, because um, that's where at the end of the day, a lot of the big decisions that affect people's lives come in is on the city council. Um, it's on the, it's on the, uh, the neighborhood board or it's it's on the uh you know maybe in the state house it, a lot of the decisions don't come out of congress they don't come out of the federal government um that affect people day to day um so their resources best be served in those win winnable races and not blowing a bunch of money on these senate races that they never have any chance of of having an effect on and then also i don't think the current structure of the American political system is going to allow for any sort of third party to really ever get in. I think it's always going to be a, a two-party duopoly. Do you think that we that the, the Libertarian Party really blew a chance with uh, not trying to convince Justin Amash to, to run again? Because we, we've technically had a, a Libertarian in Congress and Justin Amash, but he kind of changed and immediately said he was going to run again? Or do you think that kind of goes along with your point? Like he was falling out of favor with the people of Michigan uh, in his district. He was never going to win again. So it was best that money not be thrown at him and he not try to run again. Oh, well, um, I think, I mean, that's all about, that's going to all be about whatever his internal polling was saying and what his ego could take. Um, about whether or not he could handle losing, um, but he also didn't do any do himself any favors uh, with his anti-Trump positions um, and voting for impeachment and all that. I don't think that really helped um, him in any way with the people that he was with the people that he was actually representing in his district. Um, so once he was not going to run, then the real conversation became: Well, should he run for the twenty twenty? Uh, libertarian party nomination for president um and i am incredibly incredibly happy that he did not fucking run um i okay. think he's probably one of the last people that should run for the presidential nomination really yeah because I, he's a republican or well, yeah uh, yeah he he's he's milk toast um I, I he's a milk toast, watered down Republican, and that's what Gary Johnson was. And both of these guys are like left of center social, you know. So they're not gonna they're not gonna fight back in terms of the of the. It's also like this thing where it's like it's it it goes back to the culture war, and you know a lot of people, a lot of libertarians want to say, oh, the culture war isn't real, or we're above the culture war, when that's not really how it works. Um, if people are fighting about cultural issues, it's a culture war. If there's a big enough divide between two groups of people on cultural issues, it's a culture war. By you saying that you're above it, or by you taking whatever the current, whatever the current like miasma is on the culture war, you're taking the left of center position, and that's what that's what the Libertarian Party and that's what Justin Amash has been doing. Um, they're just taking the left of center position by default, and that doesn't help. 
I don't think that helps where they stand, and it certainly doesn't help the libertarian movement. Um, so I'm incredibly happy that he didn't run because also uh, you want someone that's more uh, like principled and unabashed. So you, do you think that the Libertarian Party, at least in terms of presidential nominees, has been focusing on electability um, instead of just somebody who's, like you said, unabashedly libertarian and really stands for these libertarian principles? Like I look at Gary Johnson um, and even even Joe Jorgensen and people were talking about her electability. And I, I always thought that was kind of a, a ridiculous conversation to be having because, again, uh, they were never going to be elected. Right. Well, I mean, even the even like the two big parties, even they still talk about electability for whatever fucking reason. Um, like that, that was a big thing in like the, the DNC primary was like, oh, is this person electable? Oh, Joe Biden's electable. That's why we should run them. I, I, I never really understood that conversation, but I would agree with you in that it makes even less sense for the fucking Libertarian Party to be worrying about that when they're not going to win regardless. So it's best to put out a candidate that like when you're in the position libertarian party is you can't afford to be passive you need to have somebody that is going to work 150 percent on the campaign trail you need to have somebody that's really going to go above and beyond in their aggressiveness in attacking um the two parties in making sure that they are forceful with the libertarian position and on libertarian principles and they're not going to back down on anything. Now, people like like certain certain uh degenerates in the libertarian party are going to be like, "Oh, you're going to turn away people um if you're just aggressive all the time. Or you're going to turn away people if you're too like too stringent on your libertarian principles." Da, 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 da. And they're like, "Oh, you can't bring up abolishing the Fed every time." And that shows you really the, the depth of their thinking that that's what their argument is. As if Ron Paul didn't tailor his message to who he was speaking to. Ron Paul was always 100% on libertarianism 100% of the time, but he tailored his message to who he was talking to at that moment. But he also wasn't afraid to still state his positions when he came up to him. Like when he was in South Carolina, I think, in one of the debates, or at some point, with a very conservative audience, and he said, you know, he, he said he stated openly that his position was that all drugs should be legalized. Right. You know that that is that could be somebody. That's somebody that that makes a statement, that makes a name. That's somebody that catches their attention. You know that that's why there was a liberty movement after Ron Paul. There's no liberty movement after Gary Johnson or fucking Joe Jorgensen. You know, it's also that these people don't do anything once they stop running. You want somebody that's going to be so committed that they still are out there after they're done being a part of the party. It's interesting. So, so shifting gears uh, a little, you know, pretty pretty dramatically, but still on the uh, the topic of political parties. Are there any uh, international political parties that you really appreciate or, or really want in the United States, or just general favorites? Yes. So. So uh, I, I, I think it's the height of my the height of my autism and the height of the fact that um, I am not getting any pussy, that I have had the time to think of the idea of wanting to buy merch for different right wing parties across the planet. 
Um, and at which, point, <coughs> at which point I seriously considered doing this um, to try and figure out what the logistics would be. Um, and I came across a few uh, our, our upstairs neighbors, the Canadians. Uh, they just had their election. They just had their their most recent sham election. And um, and the PPC or the People's Party of Canada uh, is run by Maxime Bernier. Phenomenal, phenomenal party. I, I, if 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 the Libertarian Party was like the PPC, the LP would be in a better position. Um, and because uh, it's like a right wing populist party, and that's what the LP needs to be essentially. And um, and so the PPC was doing great. Um, they like quadrupled their vote share from last election. Um, and but they don't have a full merch store, so I couldn't buy anything. So that's a shame. Uh, and then, uh, after that, there's, uh, you know, I didn't look into Mexico. I should look into Mexico. I just imagine that they're a fucking mess. Um, uh, then there's the VVD in, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, I think it's still run by Geert Wilders. Uh, that's another, like, right-wing populist party. Uh, uh, you got, uh, who else do you got? You got, uh, you got, uh, well, you've got two in Germany. You've got the FDP, which is like a classical liberal libertarian party. Um, but then you've also got the AFD, which is alter alternative for Deutschland. And um, that one's a little bit trickier because they're usually accused of, of, of like being racists and neo-Nazis. But that's mostly just because they're like very anti-immigration. Um, so I haven't—I I mean, I haven't had the time to look into them and see if those accusations are real or not. I'm just going to take the default position that they're probably exaggerated, um, based on how the media spins things. Then you got in Australia, you've got um, you got a lot of like smaller parties, but one party is like Tatters Australian Party. Uh, and then in New Zealand, you've got ACT or ACT. That's like an actual, like, liber like real libertarian party. Um, so there's a lot of parties across the planet that are pretty cool um, and based. My my, per my my personal favorite, and, and granted, I haven't done anywhere close to as, as much research on this as you have, um, mm -hmm. is that I've, I've always been a fan of the Brexit Party. Because Nigel, oh, yeah, I can't believe I forgot them. But yes, I can't believe you forgot them either. I was, I was waiting for that, but I, I love the fact. <laughs> well, that they're not, but they're not called the Brexit Party anymore. Oh, what are they? They're, they're called uh, and the also, party. Yeah, and Nigel isn't uh, in charge of it anymore. Well, yeah, I, I mean, they're not as basic as they were, but mm -hmm. I, I love, I love the idea of a single issue party that like go, like has its big idea that they're all about, goes in, and gets it done, and freaking leaves and I, I think that's pretty much what the brexit party did um and it's probably going to do they're probably going to die out now and they're probably not going to be a major uh political force for a while but i love the idea of, of more fluid political parties i i think that would be just that would get rid of a lot of the corruption and the people you know i think people would do more research before they go out and vote and things like that but also yeah just uh the fact that they were able to to get brexit done just just like that i thought was the thing of beauty. I mean, they've only been around. When were they formed? I just looked them up. The, so the, the story with them is uh, Nigel Farage's whole political career has been getting the UK out of the EU. 
which is already sets him as like one of the most based politicians to ever exist. Right. Um, and so he forms UKIP, the UK Independence Party, for that purpose. Um, he is with them. I believe he is with them until Brexit happens, and then and then they fucking vote to leave. And I remember, I remember being up watching that vote in real time. Right. Um, that was fucking phenomenal, being up and watching them actually vote to leave the EU. Um, and so that happens, and it's like yes, and then he retires. He's like, all right, I'm done, and I, you know, I, I you know, go to go to Paris and go enjoy some wine or whatever, and um. But then, uh, of course, uh, the two major political parties, Labour and the Conservative Party, didn't want to leave the EU. So, you know, for the next like year or two years, they're they're dragging their feet um, to get the deal done with Brussels. And obviously, Brussels is going to fucking you know mess it up at every turn to make it as much of a hassle as possible. And so then that's where Nigel forms the Brexit Party. Because he's like, we're going to make sure that Brexit like gets done. Like, we're going to make sure that we actually leave and get a good deal. Right. And uh, and then and then they get, you know, they start getting momentum and they start polling pretty well. And then he makes a deal with the Conservative Party to basically like like a non-competition pact, um, where basically in any district where a Conservative uh, Party member was running and it was like going to be kind of close with Labour. Brexit would agree to endorse that Conservative Party candidate um, because the Conservative Party, Boris Johnson was in charge at this point, and Boris was actually part of the Leave campaign. Boris was a genuine uh, Leave candidate, so he worked out this deal with Nigel, and uh, and then so they agreed, and that helped the Conservative Party get their majority, historic majority that they have. Um, and then actually get Brexit done. So he formed two parties uh, for one purpose, and he achieved both of them. Such a, such a bomb. What is he up to now? Is he still doing? Is he in Paris? I think he's just retired. Wine? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He has like a new show. He has like a like. There's this like new like right wing television channel that's that launched. It's like Great Britain News, and I think he has a show on there, um, doing stuff. But. Uh, but that is the one benefit I think of um, European political systems is the ability for these like parties to come about, um, and it makes it a lot more fun and interesting. And it's just yeah. boring over here. It is. Uh, so so speaking of of other countries, uh, I, I have here the the third topic that you really wanted to talk about, which is kind of out of left field, but I. I feel like you wouldn't have given it to me unless you had a, uh, an opinion off the top of your head. Uh, if, if you could go <laughs> you could go to war with any country, uh, which country would you go to war with and, and why? Yeah, so I know a lot of like a lot of like boomers are like, oh, we need to go to war with China or whatever. You know, they have this like fetish for hating on China. Um, and it's like I think you're speaking to you're speaking to a libertarian guy, you, and you're speaking to an anarchist, me. So neither of us are too friendly towards China, but you know it, it, they they have this hard on for just attacking China all the time. And uh, I one, but the country I'd probably go to war with right now is probably I think we could do an Iraqi freedom in Australia. <laughs> so 
I think I think we can pull off a desert storm and free Brisbane and um and uh Sydney and uh Wales, New Wales, New South Wales and whatever all their dumb towns are called or whatever. New South Wales and is, I think is we... a province or a state yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. they call. Them. Yeah, um, there's yeah. Victoria, Victoria and Queensland. I think we can I think we can free all those people. Um I think that would be you know, they say we haven't had a just war since World War II, which is a lie anyway, but um, I think this would actually be a just war, is if we invaded um, Australia. And, uh, you know, we don't bomb civilians like we've been doing for the past 30 years, um, which I guess we wouldn't. Um, you know, we, we you know the, the, the U.S. bombs people in the Middle East because they're not white, so they don't matter. But we can't really do that in Australia because they're white. So they couldn't. So like the U.S. couldn't really get away with that. Um, so I think I think if we just did an invasion, or we just nuked whatever their capital city is, I think that would be. I think we would save the country. <laughs> do you have an that answer is, for that one? I don't. Uh, do I have an answer for the original question or what you just said about Australia? Mm-hmm. 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 One. I gave you two. Well, I think. I think we, uh, I think we both agree on the, yeah. The idea of liberating Australia, that's, that's actually genius. And I like that a lot. I I have a good number of friends in Australia and I, and I love them to death. And they really just turned from a relatively based country to really just tyrannical overnight. It's, it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Um, oh, well, it, it's like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's like, it, 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 have you ever watched Australian comedy? No. Okay, so, I know you don't smoke, but if you get high, and, or maybe even drunk, I don't know, but if you get high and you watch Australian comedy, or Australian people just doing things, it is so fucking weird, because it's, it's bizarro America. Because yeah. Australia is this bizarre mixture of of English history and English politics, but American culture. And That's a really good so, way of describing it. Holy crap! Yeah, and so th- their comedy is very influenced by America, and um, and it's but it's 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 just a little bit off. So it's so weird. It's it's hilarious. Like they have some really funny funny comedy over there, but. It is really funny um, watching their stuff, and so that's why it is such a shame. Um, uh, it's 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 actually unthinkable. Like I legitimately have trouble believing sometimes what is actually happening in Australia. Yeah, it's insane, and 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 it came out of nowhere. I I really didn't think that Australia was going to be the one to turn into full blown tyranny. I would have thought we would have gone that way first. They just seemed like, you know, they've got a pretty solid libertarian movement over there. Uh, like you said, they're very, their politics are are relatively, like, American in, in their ideals. And, you know, just, they, they got a lot of, like, quasi-American things. Like, the fact that they're just, you know, a massive country. They're all just a bunch of, like, rebels over there. Yeah, they they just kind of immediately fell under this this ridiculous uh um now to go back to the original question if i could bomb 
if I could go to war with any country, I, I this is a lot less boring and a lot less thought through, but I'd love to go to war with North Korea and liberate those those poor people who've been living under that the, the Kims for 70 years or whatever. Um, it's just heartbreaking that that's been allowed to go on for so long. And not to uh, pull the, the, the boomer move, but they've been, you know, upheld by, by China for a long time. Ever since the, the Soviet Union fell. Um, so it's just they're being propped up uh, and there's all these human rights violations going on. That would be a pretty just war, too. Yes, uh, 100%. I'd agree with that. Um, anybody that is interested in learning about North Korea, I heavily recommend checking out um, videos that Michael Malice has done talking about it. Um, Michael Malice is great. He's another anarchist. Um, but he he is great on North Korea. Um, really phenomenal in understanding it. Um, Yaomi Pak is a refugee from North Korea. She has been on Joe Rogan's podcast and Jordan Peterson's podcast. Uh, those are great podcasts. episodes. And Court... Oh, and the Lex Freeman Pie. I haven't watched that one, but yeah, that one too. Um, and Court and I, we had had the plans at one point to maybe go to North Korea, yeah. which I really wish we had l- l- considered more seriously. Um, but... <laughs> but it would have been it would have been great to go. I I I'd still love to go. Maybe in this maybe post COVID. I don't know that tourists have been able to travel there since since warm beer. I think they've mm. been. I don't mm. think. I think they've been closed since before we like knew each other. I was ever gonna yeah. actually come about? I w- I was always been kind of just hoping that it would open back up and I, I think if it ever did open it back up I would one hundred percent go to Pyongyang and Yeah. The whole time and, and make sure that I'm, you know, doing doing everything I'm supposed to do to not get you know sentenced to hard labor. Uh yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, yeah exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's it's it, it's 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 difficult because the whole time that you're there, you know, you're you're it, it would feel wrong to enjoy any part of the trip, yeah. Because you know what's going on behind the scenes and everything, but that doesn't mean that you can't, like, not appreciate some of the time that you have there. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, going to Pyongyang and there's something to appreciate there, uh, it, within the context as well. But like you said, I would do everything that they fucking said because I'm not trying to get brain dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, but I, I would, I would love to go. That would be great to travel there. No, hey, we, uh, if if it ever opens back up, you know, you got to travel, buddy. Oh yes, yes, very based. Uh, so we're we're heading towards the end of our time here. But uh, do you have any any closing thoughts uh, of things that we talked about over the podcast or, or stuff that you want our listeners to to know uh, before you go? Uh, I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't think, I don't think there's anything that we, that we skipped over. Um, uh, I guess, uh, I would say shout out to, uh, Victor Orban and the Fidesz party in Hungary. I forgot to mention them before. Um, they are very cool. I like them. 
and then COVID is fake. Klaus, uh, uh, it was excellent having you on the podcast. Thank you for coming uh, for the for the first time, and uh, hope you hope to have you on again soon. Yes, yes, I think we have a couple other friends in mind that would that would be great first time guests for this podcast in the future. Excellent, sounds good. Thank you.